this is the My Modern Met Top Artist Podcast. I'm your host, art historian and My Modern Met contributing writer, Jessica Stewart, here to take you inside the minds of today's top creatives. We're pleased to have photographer Liam Wong join us today. Many of you may be familiar with Liam's neon-saturated night photography of Tokyo, with its distinct edgy look. What you may not know is that up until 2019, he worked for Ubisoft, the gaming giant responsible for Assassin's Creed and Far Cry, among others. When he was hired at 25, he was then the company's youngest art director, but his life took a turn in 2015 when he purchased a DSLR camera and took up photography. After images from a trip to Japan went viral, Liam's work was thrust into the spotlight. His unique style of photography, which has a cinematic quality reminiscent of Blade Runner, has only continued to grow and develop. Liam and I got the chance to speak about what sparked him to pick up the camera, how it felt to have his work go unexpectedly viral, and how the world of gaming and cinema influences him. He also gives some great advice to up-and-coming photographers about how to find their own voice. Let's listen in. So we're here with Liam Wong. Very excited to talk to you. How are you doing today, Liam? Hey, yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Doing well. So we're going to be talking a lot about gaming as well as photography, okay. but of course, the gaming world is an important part of your life. So I'm curious, were you a big gamer growing up and what were your favorite games to play? I guess the thing I always say is like, I grew up like next to where like one of the biggest games in the world was made. So I grew up in Edinburgh and uh, Grand Theft Auto was made in Edinburgh. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I would have thought Miami or something, but maybe that's just Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's like, it's like home to that game. And so it was kind of inevitable for me to become interested in games. And I have um, like two older brothers who would just play games all the time and they would make artwork and stuff on the computer. And so I just kind of got into it through that. Like for me, where it really got, I guess, more of a thing where I was becoming like a real hobby was playing The Sims. Mm-hmm. And I used to like customize uh, skins and I made like websites and like graphics and everything. I just got really into like the creation of arts um, from there. And The Sims isn't like that long ago. Like I played stuff way earlier than that, but that was really the game that, I don't know, just got me creative. Yeah. And then your job after you finished art school where, you know, you're in your mid-20s, you born and raised in Scotland mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're moving across the pond to Canada to go work for possibly like the biggest gaming studio uh, there is Ubisoft and you become yeah. their youngest art director. So what was it like to get that job and, and how did you feel, you know, in that's a pretty big life change to be making? Yeah. I mean, like going from, yeah, being like, I don't know, a teenager that was interested in games to eventually being like, yeah, I, I kind of want to pursue this. Um, you know, being an artist and being a game artist, potentially went to university, did that. Then, yeah, I I ended up working in England for a couple of years. And it was after that is when I jumped to Canada. So when I was in England, I worked on a series called Crisis, um, just like kind of call it like AAA, but it's like kind of blockbuster, Mm -hmm. first person shooter kind of game. And at the end of that, I just had the opportunity to, I interviewed a a few different places and then ended up taking the offer in Canada. And the, the weird thing is like, I'd never, I never actually visited Canada, except for the <laughs> job offer and I hadn't actually been. And so I took the job, I turned up with the mentality that like, I'm probably going to get fired because I'm inexperienced <laughs> at some point, you know, like in a couple of months, maybe they'll, they'll catch on and <laughs> I'll lose my job. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was really like overwhelming, like exciting, challenging. So yeah, I remember just going there and the job was graphic design director. Um, and I was mostly like self-taught, like I said, like I play games, I would do web stuff. I would just spend a lot of time online making 
graphics, mostly just for myself, right. maybe some friends, and that kind of escalated. <clears throat> and so, yeah, like going into that job was intense. Well, let's say, let's clarify that you did not get, most certainly did not get fired after a few months. No. You uh, <laughs> very successful there. Uh, but, you know, you're there for a few years. And then in 2015, you decide to purchase a camera, mm -hmm. a DSLR, like a lot of us do. So what made you decide to buy a camera and, and start getting creative with yeah, it? Yeah. So it kind of it kind of goes all back to video games. So um, so when I was living in the UK, I hadn't really traveled. So you got to think I was maybe twenty five, and I only went to London when I was like twenty three. I went to Paris maybe just I went for a week one time, whilst I was in London. So it was like just seeing all of these new cities. And I I grew up in a in Edinburgh, which just has this big castle on a rock in the middle of town, uh, which is still a huge city. Don't get me wrong, but it's not London. It's not like a metropolis, mm. and so. As soon as I started like wandering and traveling, I just got really into architecture and having my phone on me and just trying to find like clean shapes, uh, composition, uh, just like visual language. So as a graphic designer, I just like to find clean lines. There's something satisfying about finding that. And so, yeah, then I was traveling through my job when I moved to Canada. So I would go to places, I'd go back to the UK, I would go to places in America. And it was one trip that got me to Japan. Mm. And that was 2014. And that was like... At that point, I bought my little, I brought a little mirrorless, uh, sorry, like a compact camera once it fits in your pocket. So that was like already thinking, oh, I want to level this up a little bit. It's getting like a bit more serious. <laughs> and so this is, yeah, 20, end of 2014. And then I just knew I wanted to go back to Japan. There was just something about it. Yeah, Japan has such an incredible aesthetic. I've been there a few times and I can definitely see how it would be incredibly inspiring for someone who's visual because mm -hmm. there's just so much going on. So, I mean, that photography yeah. in the beginning, I say this because many years ago I was really into photography and I started doing it as an outlet, mm -hmm. a creative outlet beyond my full-time job. You know, I was working in an office mm -hmm. and it sort of was nice to just wander around and be creative and, and blow up stress. So I'm wondering if that was similar for you. I mean, were you going there with the scope to take pictures just as a hobby or did you just find it relaxing? Yeah. So like, so when I, I went back, it was like a year later, so 2015, end of 2015, it was Christmas time and I'd saved up money to buy a camera. So the DSLR. And from there, I was just kind of like, I actually wanted to get into video, make not short films, but almost like travel compilation. Mm -hmm. uh, there was this one video called Memories of Tokyo, which is on Vimeo. And I saw it and I saw this guy's camera and every setup they had. And I was like, I really need to get that specific. <laughs> um, just, I think that's like a very standard thing. Like when you're you're looking at a piece of work and you're like, I really want to get to that level. How do I get to that level? And like the kind of naive uh, approach is I need exactly what that person has. And and so, yeah, that, that's kind of how I launched into it. And I was just taking like just regular photos and stuff. And then I checked like the My Modern Met article because that's from 2016. And that was like the crazy part because I, I went there at Christmas and I, I started sharing my stuff on Facebook and I didn't have any social media. I think I had a Twitter account like, 300 followers or something, mostly like people I worked with in video games. And then at some point it just blew up and it mostly came from just using Facebook and having my personal one. And it was my friends that would just like press like or leave a comment and say, hey, this, this looks really cool. Like I really like it. And so that encouraged and motivated me to, to get into that. And I think it's something that you kind of underestimate. And I think it's something that's important in this, like, especially this climate is, you know, to encourage people to be creative. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't have got to where I got if it wasn't for 
people interacting with or sharing the work, I don't know, or just having a friend say, that's, that's really cool. We should keep that up. And I think that's the biggest thing because I think back to like 2016 and seeing something like My Modern Met and back then Facebook was like massive. Yeah. And it was just all of these comments, all that like, I think I had like 15K likes or something on that post. And I'm, I'm just a person that's at my <laughs> desk job, like day job, uh, you know, and then I, this is all like blowing up on the side. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, well, maybe I could be a photographer. And I didn't actually quit my job until last year. Right. So it took me a while to have that confidence to be like, yeah, I kind of I just want to explore opportunities. Well, yeah, I do sort of want to go into that a little bit because, you know, we we do hear about this happening. All of a sudden, an image goes viral and mm-hmm. There are millions of people looking at your photo. So I've always wondered, I mean, how does that feel? Because you wake up one day, you, like you said, you're yeah. just sharing a photo of your trip on your personal Facebook page. You're new to photography and then it just explodes. And there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of eyes on your work. Yeah. I mean, what what was that like? Was it exciting? Was it scary? Was it, what was it like? It's like every everything <laughs> all at once. So like for me, I had a lot of friends at work, you know, because it's a creative company, video games. A lot of them are actually like very good photographers. Because of that, you know, when I was sharing images, even they would say, oh, well, you missed the, you missed the focus slightly on this shot. And mm-hmm. I think you could have frozen this better. And, and in reality, I'd had the, the DSLR for like, I don't know, a, a month at minimum. And, <laughs> right. and when I look back at the My Modern Met article 2016, all those images are pretty much from three days. And that's the crazy part because it's all about just, um, I don't know, people see an image and it speaks to them. I still see that. I still see like other photographers work and I'm like, wow, that's great. I want to go to that place. It's that feeling. And I think it was just that kind of right timing. But with that came like all my inexperience behind the camera, being on a platform with everyone looking at it and also dissecting it. So it works like both ways. You have people that are like, wow, this is great. And you have like maybe the seasoned, because photography is quite like elitist. Like there's quite a, mm-hmm. a community that really picks apart an image. And yes. For, for me, I got into photography really as a creative outlet, as you were saying. And it, it is, it's like the thing I love about photography is that I can take a shot and if I'm not happy with it, I can just reframe it, get closer, get further away, mix it up or take more. Like it's that, you know, the advantage of having a digital camera. And it's just something I love. Whereas an artist, if you're a musician or a writer, it's a lot of investment to create a unique piece, you know, like something from start to finish. So when it's photography, it's like, you know, click, click, click one of them might turn out good. And so I was in that mentality of just, sure. I just want to be creative. I just want to do stuff. Um, so yeah, really like almost like terrifying when uh, stuff like, picked <laughs> up. But the excitement of like, wow, this is on this platform or, you know, this person shared it or yeah, it's crazy thinking about it. So yeah, I'm actually wondering when you are starting out in your learning how to use the camera, were you experimenting with other types of photography? Say, I mean, was Liam Wong taking you know, daytime landscapes and still lifes and sort of just playing mm-hmm. around? You know, because you're known for this very distinct urban gritty look, yeah. obviously. So I think, I'm trying to think back. So I'm also trying to think what's useful for somebody that's starting out, right? Like, I think for me, yeah, I was definitely going down the route of cinematic mm-hmm. photography. I wanted to kind of... Uh, my idea of photography was everything had to be exactly as is. And I, I found that I got more creative when I could kind of lean a little bit more into having something that felt like a game or a movie. And so I would study a lot of film still. So I would go on, you know, Pinterest or Google and just start saving stuff, saving references, mm-hmm. whether it's the composition or the content, the colors that are used. Um, so I tried to just build up this whole library inside of my head because, um, you know, as a creative person, I have a good like visual memory. Um, and so just being able to draw on those references as I was on the street really helped. Yeah. So we've talked about cinema quite a bit, and I am wondering, 
what films are influencing you? I mean, obviously it's clear mm -hmm. when you look at them immediately, thing, films like Blade Runner come to mind. I know that Sid Mead, who created designs for Blade Runner, Tron, Aliens, mm -hmm. all of this is a, is a big influence. But yeah. talk a little bit about how cinema influenced you and how it informs your photography. Yeah, so actually, so when I think back, so there was a period like after high school and I didn't really know what to do. And I took a year out and pretty much did nothing but play video games and I pretty much stayed in my room the entire time. And whilst I was in my room, I was just watching films. So I'd go through the top 250 on IMDb internet movie database and just watch them and consume them all. And it was kind of in there that I got into like just the idea of cinema, like just and how much I could take away from it. Um, I'm not a writer in any in any form, but I think just inspiration, like visual inspiration. So things like Blade Runner, things like I guess more recently you have like movies like Drive, mm -hmm. you have directors like Wong Kar Wai. So like for me, I'm like half Chinese, but I never grew up around like Chinese culture. So my in, my insight into that was from like Wong Kar Wai's um, version of Hong Kong, like Hong Kong cinema. So always just been like inspirational to me. I think of people like, um, yeah, I mean, like Sid Mead is an obvious one. And like for, for me, I stumbled on his book and I found that whilst I was in Tokyo and that really inspired me to kind of pursue I'd say more like artistic photography, mm -hmm. where I even feel weird saying photographer. Like I put artist because I don't want to, I don't know, I prefer that kind of creative line, you know? Sure. Photographers are artists, but there, but there is something interesting with the terminology. I mean, mm -hmm. some people can say I'm a photographer, I'm a photojournalist. Mm -hmm. So there are these all weird sort of lines, but your photography, though it it is very artful. I mean, even in images where, like you said, you like to photograph things as they are. So there's not all this crazy, you know, mm -hmm. digital manipulation going on, but there is this very artist, very much this artistic quality to them. And I'm sure that comes from a lot of things, like you said, cinema and whatnot. Yeah. I think, I think like the one, like when you look at cinema and you look at set design and I look at the work of say Roger Deakins, um, like the cinematographer from like the latest Blade Runner, but also like prisoners, uh, things like that. You think it's on June. Um, yeah, when you look at all of that stuff, it's, it's also like what you leave out of the frame. Mm. And that's what I find with like street photography is trying to wait for the right moment to like present itself and almost be like selective in what I share. And that comes from like being an art director, having that kind of experience of like almost like thumbnails, right. trying to find the best shot. And I think everyone does that to an extent, but it is just, I'm just very conscious of what at which elements do not appear in my images. Like you take something like Tokyo, which is huge, it's over, you know, it's overcrowded in ways. Um, being able to capture like mm -hmm. moments of like isolation and just having singular figures takes time, takes, um, you know, patience to, to get that. And then in terms of like style, it's also trying to think about, yeah, what you're leaving out of the frame. Like in most cases, I don't take pictures right. of people's faces. Um, I like that kind of anonymity. I like that, you know, it's also like kind of like being respectful of, the place um but for me just over time i think when i look back to that 2016 article there's images in there that are like some i cannot even rep like replicate today and i've tried because i've gone back to the same spot and it's, it's what's interesting about photography is that you just you're there in that moment and you, you have the right mindset you're there and you capture the shot that was made for you like i do believe that that's a thing there's definitely those magical moments. And then when you come back for them, it's such a satisfying thing where you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you, you, you click the, yeah. the shutter and you just know like, oh, this is, this is something special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you got like excited about it. And I, and I think 
and then also like just with digital stuff on the flip side of that, you can take a shot. Like I, I set up like a server recently with all my images, it's like over a million or something, and I can just browse through them. And sometimes I'll see a shot, but I've, I don't even remember taking the shot, but there's something in it. Yeah. And your, your feelings change over time, whether it's the composition or the content, and you, you'll see something in that shot that you didn't see at the time. Yeah. So it's just one of those things that's just always evolving. You know? Yeah. Well, I love what you said about, it's a lot about what's not in the frame. And, and you definitely see that in your work because yes, mm -hmm. Tokyo is one of the busiest cities in, in the world. And the people are very secondary in your images. I mean, what, either mm -hmm. they're isolated figures or where there are crowds, as you said, they're sort of almost like shadows and silhouettes moving through. Mm -hmm. And I think that is sort of what lends to that you know, that sort of mysterious moody quality to your to your work that works really mm -hmm. well so i'm wondering i mean you sort of touched on this a little bit but for people who are starting out and wondering well how do i figure out what my style is how do i find out what my signature is because your yeah. work is very it is very clear when you look at the picture like oh this is liam wong or if you look at similar picture like oh this person's doing work that looks like liam wong yeah and i think it's something that it was like a quote I remember here. It's like Kendrick Lamar, and he was talking about how people, you know, at the end of the day, we're all inspired by things. And I'm very open about the things I'm inspired by. Like, I love that. And it's in ways that connected me with those people that uh, I was inspired by. So I think that it's a great thing. No, nothing is unique, you know? And so, especially not my work. But what I'm getting at is like, I think when you're starting out, it's very difficult to find your voice. And it's very difficult to figure out what it is that's unique about you. And so I think it all goes back to like, you know, Think about all the things that make you unique. And that could be where you're from, your interests, your hobbies, like what kind of colors you navigate, like you sway towards, you know, it's just uh, little things like that, that ultimately make up a style. And so that was basically my job in video games was visual identity. And that would deal a lot with uh, color, uh, typography, composition, motion graphics, like, you know, just overall style. And I think over the years, I think when I first put this stuff out, you know, it's just like nighttime photography in Tokyo. So everyone, it's like one of the most <laughs> photographed cities I imagine. And at some point I really wanted to kind of think, well, how can I merge that, you know, experience I have from my day job into photography? How can I make a style that when someone sees it, they will associate that with my work. That was basically like a mini project of mine that kind of, you know, did well in the end. And because of that, like, it's very difficult for like someone to go to Tokyo now and take a picture at night in the rain and not have somebody jump in and be like, that looks like this person's work, yeah. which kind of sucks. It actually it is, it is actually like not that fair. Um, but like with that, I don't know, there's so many different subjects. Like you look at My Modern Man, you look at the articles that come up and there's some amazing ones where you see the, the content and you're like, that's a really cool idea. Like I remember seeing one that was just about when it was just focused on drivers, I think it was, um, maybe it was like mm -hmm. Thailand or something, but like having a very yeah. specific subject and capturing that and being very um, set on that. And I think when it comes to being a photographer and you want to think about style, you need to think about every single element that goes into your photography and your work. And that could be, I, I break it down to three things for me, which is the color, the content and the composition. So when it comes to the content, my work, mostly nighttime for sure, after midnight, before 5 a.m., before it uh, mm -hmm. gets light, that's already a stylistic choice. Um, in terms of content, sure, rain, neon, umbrellas, <laughs> uh, taxi drivers, like there's there's very specific choices there um, in terms of content. With the color, I always try and find complementary colors, and that comes from inspiration from the movies that I mentioned. 
especially the work of Sid Mead. And I really look at that stuff and I study everything about it. I think about the color swatches. I think about how they're used. I'll go through other work and I'll be like, wow, that's really cool color combination. I wonder if I could replicate that in a photo that I took. So I'll try and look for something that would feel mm. similar and match it. So that would be the content and the color. And in terms of the composition, it's, to me, my biggest inspiration for that is the movie Old Boy. And it's the poster for Old Boy. And it's the couple that are walking down the street and the signs on each side. So as a graphic designer, like I love signage. So when I went to somewhere like Hong Kong or Tokyo, it's right. just full of it. And so it was being able to understand that part. And especially like video games, you look at a game like Grand Theft Auto and you can look at the different areas of the city and how each area has different graphic design based on, I don't know, the, the locations. You can have the, the high-end finance mm -hmm. district and they have logos for the different businesses. Like I just very aware of that stuff. So when you combine all of those three elements and you make very conscious choices, I think that's where you will come out with what you'll have as a basis for your own style. And that's like my approach based on video games. So yeah, I just think that's like an approach. I think that's great advice. What you said in reference to seeing other work on the on the mat. I mean, I know definitely when we're approached by photographers or artists in general who have a very clear vision, a very mm -hmm. clear series, um, you know, someone might have a bunch of great photos about a bunch of different things, but they're not telling a story. Yeah. And so I think when things come together and sort of tell a story and again, you, you sort of specialize into a niche, not that you can't do other things, then it, it is easier to sort of hone in to what it is about your work that makes it unique. Because as you said, there'll always be people online who said, oh, that looks like this, that looks like that. Yeah, it's, a, it's inevitable. And you have to kind of just take it and then just, you know, accept that you're learning. Everyone's got to start somewhere and you always have to look up to something. And I do the same. Like, I think it's just, you know, think like image, especially images, they're there to kind of be studied. And I think the moment you can kind of figure out what the artist is thinking and how to execute that, even if it's not to the same level, you're already like learning way more than you would if you just were sat inside your house and taking pictures. So I think there's no there's no shame in, in doing that. But yeah, I think to me, it goes back to, at some point as a photographer, as an aspiring photographer, you're gonna create something and someone's gonna say to you like, that's, that's really cool, that's great. I think you're onto something. And I think it's having that, like being aware and being open to that kind of opportunity turning up and as soon as that idea sparks, it's kind of like running with it. And that's for me how it started. Um, I've had, I've had some friends that had their work go like more viral than my stuff went, but I know that right. their regrets were just not doing anything about it. And I think it's also just thinking, okay, how can I take this and create something, mm -hmm. something more than a singular image? Give yourself a goal of five images. Okay. Now go to 10. Now you have a series of 10 images that are somehow strung together by some kind of core theme. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you, you said about really seizing an opportunity, because when all this happens in mm -hmm. 2016 and things go viral, you're still working at Ubisoft. I mean, as you mentioned, you, you said you just recently, relatively yeah. recently left Ubisoft. So you know, mm -hmm. having that sort of job where you're very successful and you're good at what you do, I'm sure that's hard to walk away from. So what what was what would talk us through the process yeah, of deciding how to make that shift toward full time photography? 
Yeah, I think like this, like, because I get asked interview questions and stuff, but no one ever touches on something like that. So, yeah, when I was at Ubisoft, I would go from, I remember I went away, took a vacation, went to Japan for a week and went back into Montreal. And in that week, I'd hung out with um, mm-hmm. Hideo Kojima, who's like one of the biggest game directors. So obviously I go back to my day job and people are like, what are you still doing here? Why don't you just quit your job and go be a photographer? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm very realistic, like to quit. Yeah, that sounds very easy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I just have to be level-headed about it. Like, just because mm-hmm. I think, you know, in hindsight, like, and this is something that I think any creative, at some point you'll create a piece of work and it's going to get a lot of traction and you have to kind of stay grounded and know that that can, that's cool. A lot of people have seen it. That's nice. A lot of people liked it, but what does that actually mean? Like it doesn't translate into, I don't know, a safety net versus a full paid time, like full-time job that's paid. Um, right. So as much as I was like in these ridiculous like scenarios, just from opportunities that came from buying a camera, it wasn't enough for me to be like, yeah, I'm just going to quit my job and just go do this full time. Um, so for me to get to that stage, yeah, I mean, from 26, I guess, yeah, 2016 all the way up to 20. I guess 29, I lose track of time now because everything, but yeah, last year in March is when I like, gave my yeah. notice. So I'd worked there at the time of leave it, yeah, I guess six years, 20, 2013, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it got to the five-year point and I was able to take um, like time out to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And it was in that time I kind of set myself the goal. I wanted to, I actually wanted to learn more about portraiture. Never really done it and I just kind of did it now and then. So like a personal thing to just want to get that experience there and then also to make a book like I always wanted to do it yeah um, and that kind of came around and it just felt like the right time so my apartment lease was ending as well and I was like it's like now or never like I either leave my job right this second because I just finished a huge project or I stay where I am and video games take a long time to make and I think there's probably listeners here that are maybe just photographers but video games can take like five six years and <laughs> nobody knows what you're working on and you get to the sixth year and you release it and people play it and then maybe a year later they forget about it and you work on the next one and it's like there was something about photography it was like you can put something online people can, can like consume it look at yeah, it yeah more immediate yeah and i just i really like that so yeah it was just the right time because otherwise i would you know i'm i'm not one to kind of leave a project half done and so i yeah. think with like people depending on you you don't want to leave them in the mm-hmm. sticks yeah, you would have been there for the next six years working on that next yeah, game. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, it was just now or never kind of feeling. And so I I remember asking a few different creatives and I was like, what's your advice? There was one guy in particular and he worked in video games and he quit his job to go work in film. And I think he actually, he lived in Italy for a little bit. But yeah, amazing, amazing artists working on like the biggest movies. Um, and yeah, his advice was like, yeah, just basically just sell everything you don't need and just live a very like minimalistic lifestyle but you know he would basically charge for his time and make enough to survive the month he also saved up a lot of his money um and that's kind of the same approach i took because just i was just trying to save as much as i could um so that i would be able to finally do my own thing that's great and you mentioned that one of the great things that you were able to do with this sort of free time mm-hmm. was put out your first book which came out um, yeah. Last year as well. Uh, Tokyo. So T O colon K Y colon O O. It looks very so, cool. <laughs> in the, it, it looks much cooler printed than it is me saying it out loud. Um, so, you know, like in terms of like style, it was like the mid, like the midnight zero, 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 yeah. zero, zero, like the 
that's what it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the book is filled with the timestamps in that same style mm-hmm. of when all the photos were taken. So you mentioned a little bit, but why did you feel like that was the right time to put out the book? And then uh, I'll ask a little bit about how you put it together. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, uh, I guess, you know, I'd done it for, it was like three years at that point. And so I just had a lot of, like a big body of work. And I knew I wanted, like I had a lot of people ask about it over the years. And so I felt like that would be the the highest thing on my list if I had the time. And so I looked at different options, whether it was self-publishing or going through a regular publisher. I ended up going for crowdfunding. Um, and that was, and I saw my Twitter, it was like two years ago mm-hmm. now that I mentioned it. And then again, lose track of time now, but I guess last year yeah. is when funded yeah because last year last year we wrote an article about it i was just looking yeah. at it and it was 2019 so yeah and it was a su- huge <laughs> huge success it, i mean it became yeah. the uk's most successful like m- the book in the uk that raised the most money via crowdfunding it yeah. used a great platform it was uh, thames and hudson's platform volume Mm-hmm. So that success must have been a nice confirmation that you were on the right track, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it came from just having a decent collaboration. Because again, it, like I feel like everything I do leads back to video games. So Volume, the creator of that, Darren, uh, Darren Wall, who's a graphic designer, art director, whatever, everything basically. Um, he had worked on video games books that were on Kickstarter and they did well. And I knew his work and just a great collaboration to have someone that understood that you know and mm-hmm. i didn't have to explain certain things and they knew everything that was required to to put it in front of like an audience um because it yeah i mean the thing i never really anticipated was just how many people were interested in. and i think that's when you go to a publisher like let's say you're a photographer you've you've got your series you've got your style people love it whatever and then you're like okay well everyone's asking for a book so i'll make a book i think the hardest part is like knowing how many people would actually be interested in it right. and i think crowdfunding is great for that mm-hmm. because you'll either get a good response or you'll get a not so great response but at least you won't invest too much time into making it right because the worst worst thing to do would be to maybe self-publish and buy the inventory and then not sell it um yeah. so i was just very conscious of that like uh so the crowdfunding yeah it was like it was like 4,000 people. Um, and then because of that success, they made it into like a real book. So you could buy it in the stores. So you'd have it like in America, there was like Barnes and Nobles, Target, wow. Walmart. That's great. And it's on Amazon and things, but yeah. And I think it's even in Japanese now, right? It's been released in Japan. Yeah. So they released the Japanese language version. So that was, yeah, just another kind of wild thing. But like a great feeling to see that there, you know. So what is coming up next for you? I mean, like we've said, you, you've left your other mm-hmm. job relatively recently. I mean, but what, what, do you, what do you feel is on the horizon for you? Yeah, so I mean, for the last year, I've, I've been working on my film idea. Mm. Um, and I don't like have too much to share. I just, I'm really, if anything, like I'd say like because the book went well, I've been able to take the time off and just think up how I want to approach this. Cause I feel like, like I don't want to be a big film director or anything. I just have really have this urge to create mm-hmm. moving image, like photography to cinematography to direction is just really, it feels not like a natural progression. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's highest up on my list. Uh, second is a uh, video game. So, I've, you know, been prototyping some stuff there. 
but again, like not much to kind of share. On the side of that, like I do collaborations. Like I just did a project in London. I was there for like two weeks um, filming some stuff. So that'll come out, I think, next week or the week after. But yeah, just trying to keep myself like busy. I'm also thinking about like my next kind of big photo series and like where I would do it and how I will do it. Great. Well, it's all amazing stuff to look forward to and very curious to see how your film eventually comes out and everything like that. I mean, just <laughs> just seeing the style and, and aesthetic of, of the stills, um, it you know, it's exciting to think about moving imagery. So thank you so much for, for being with us and sharing a little bit about yeah, you. your work and also giving some great advice, I think, to people who are starting out and, and creatives mm -hmm. who are maybe thinking about, you know, how do I... Um, how do I make this work? Because it's not always so easy to to figure out or it can seem daunting. So I think it's inspiring to hear other people yeah, who have, sure. who've made it happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the only thing I would add is like, if anyone needed some advice, feel free to reply on my socials or send a message and I can try my best. Oh, well, that's nice. Well, tell us, tell us, yeah, speaking of socials, tell us where people can mm -hmm. follow you, where they can find your work and see what you're up to. Sure, yeah. So I'm Liam Wong on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I use my Twitter mostly. Um, yeah, just at Liam Wong. Great. And then I have my website. Oh. And they can find links to purchase your book uh, through your website. It has mm -hmm. links to Amazon. Yeah, my homepage. Great. And everything. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing what's coming up next and having you back on the podcast when you release your film someday in the future. We never know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Liam. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you once again to Liam Wong for taking the time to join us. We hope you enjoyed his perspective on photography. As always, you'll find links to Liam's work in the description and can see some of the photographs we chatted about on Instagram at Top Artist Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll be alerted as soon as new episodes come out. And if you like what you heard, please do leave us a rating and review. Also, if you have a favorite artist you'd like to learn more about, shoot us an email at podcast at mymodernmet.com. We always love to have your suggestions. We'll be back with another in-depth interview with one of today's top creatives. In the meantime, get your daily dose of art and culture at mymodernmet.com. See you next time.